You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. But I want us to get out our Bibles and I want to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Oh, wait, there were people still looking for it. It's in the beginning. You never know. I'm just saying. You never know. Let's pray before we jump into this. Father God, I thank you so much. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and that it is active. Father, I thank you that as we get over it, that as we gather together here, on this Sunday morning, and I'm thankful that your Holy Spirit is here to enlighten the word to our souls, and that that we wouldn't be like rocks, but we would be like sponges, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be receptive, and we we would be just drawing it in because they are words of life, and they lead us to where you would have us go. And so, Father, today we we make a commitment. We say to you, we are ready to hear from you. We are ready to hear from you. We are ready to be shaped by you. Have your way and be honored today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to start here. I need to lay some foundation before we jump into this. Is that all right? Huh? Is everybody engaged today? Huh? Where's your heads at? Are your minds here? Huh? Is everybody here today? Hold on, let let me see. This is yes in America, this is no. I I just need to see nodding of heads that we're all in this together. Because we've got some work to do today. I'm just being honest with you. Right? the, The goal of Sunday morning is to not get done with Sunday morning. Right? Like that's not the goal. If you come to church to get done with church, then you should probably just go bowling. Just saying. Just saying. So we today have some work to do. We today have to deal with something, and we're beginning a series on what we as a church believe. What we as a church, Freedom Church, this house, what are the doctrinal things that we stand on? And I know some of you would sit there and say, well, I've been here from the beginning. I know what we believe. I I know all of this stuff. I'm glad that you do, and I'm glad that you've been here. But we have to make sure there's a reason why we are doing this. There's a reason why we are taking pieces and going, this is where we stand. This is what we stand on. This is why we stand on it. And I don't want, I'll just give you just kind of a scriptural answer of why we're, we're doing this. It says this in, in 1 Peter 3.15, and you don't have to put this up on the screen, but if, if, if you don't have this scripture kind of highlighted in your Bible, you need to know this. It says, be ready, be prepared to give an answer to every man who asks you, to explain, give reason for the hope that you have. See, as a church, if we do not have foundation in us, if we do not have foundational, doctrinal foundation to stand on, then we have nothing to give 
other than, hey, you should come to church with me. Do you understand that your job as a believer is to not have an, an invite to church? God did not call you to be people that just invited people to church. He expected you to be people that carried the doctrine and the truths of the church wherever you go. Does that make sense? Because that means where Jeff goes, where Ryan goes, where Crew goes, where Tanya goes, where, any, where Megan goes, wherever you go, the church and the, and the ministry of the church goes with you. And the, church, and the truth of the church goes with you. But if we do not have these foundational doctrinal things solidified in us, then all we will be is just people that invite somebody to a building. And we are called to be more than that. We are called to be mature. And the other reason is this. I want to I just hit on this as well. You could sit there and say, well, well, why do I need to have a foundational, doctrinal uh, 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 understanding of the Bible? Well, here's the deal. Before you came to Christ, whether you knew it or not, or whether you put it in these terms or not, you live by a doctrine. It's called the world according to Sally, or the world according to Liz, or the world according to Ryan, or the world according to Crew, right? Like, we all, whether you like it or not, your life, your circle of influence shaped you to have a doctrinal foundation. Now, it was shifty, and it was probably wrong. Like, some of you, right, have a doctrinal belief in your life that when you make spaghetti, right, you just have noodles and sauce. You don't mix the two. That's how you live. That's a doctrine of your life. It's wrong, but that's what you do. Right? Some of you fold your towels just in half, like a caveman, and shove them in the closet instead of folding them in thirds, right? Like normal people do, right? We all have these weird doctrinal things that we live by, the world according to Chris, right? And it goes even deeper than those things. You see, how you survive. How when, when things go wrong, when things begin to break down, when things go bad, we have, when my life prior to Christ, I had a response to that. I had learned a response on how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with stress, how to deal with pain, how to deal with hard times. Some of those times I medicated myself, some of them I fought, some of them I ran, right? I did all kinds of things because it was how I had learned. It was my doctrine. This is what you do in these moments. Are you following me on this? But the problem is, is if we don't, and the problem is if, if we only see our worldview through the filter and the doctrinal stance of the world according to Chris, well then the second I begin to deal with this and I begin to come against God and God begins to come against me and there's this conflict all of a sudden. Like if I haven't changed and said, wait a second, I need to take on your foundation because my foundation might be broke. My foundation is shifty. My foundation is not leading me unto life, yet yours is. And so the reason we have to have a doctrinal shift, a doctrinal change over in us, because if you, if you constantly go through your life with the world according to Eric and never, ever go to the world according to what he would say, then even if you find yourself in church, you're still left to your own limitations. Are you following me on this? 
So this is why that we're doing this. Number one, we have to have an answer. Number two, we got to stop being confusing to the world. My goodness, how confusing is it when you come into a building and we're all Christ followers, yet Jeff is living by the world according to Jeff and Gail's living her, her world according to Gail and Eric's living his world according to Eric and all of a sudden an unbeliever comes in and just sees all these people just living their own way and making God fit all of those things. We are confusing, man. And yet God called us to be ambassadors, not of ourselves, but as his message and the good news of the gospel. So, so we have to dig into this. And some of this isn't like rah, 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 right? Like it's not going to make you want to jump up and run around the building and might make you want to run out of the building. That's fine. Like I'm okay with that. But, none of it, but this is stuff that we've got to make sure that I'm digging me out and replacing it with solid ground. Got it? So let's start here. So what are we going to start with? Well, the place that we have to start where it all starts, where it all begins, is seeing God as the ultimate authority. If I asked the question right now, if I stood at the door, and as people were walking in, and I asked you, and I said, as you walked in, and I just had a little notebook and a tablet, and, I was, and, a, and a pen, and I was writing down, and I asked you this question, uh, Ellie, do you think God has all authority in the earth and heaven and earth? You would say, yes, right? That's what you'd say. If I asked Ryan that, yes. Jeff and Gail, yes. Cruiser, yes. Tanya, yes. Eric, eh, maybe so. We're still working on him, okay? But all, I mean, almost 98% of you, if you walked in the door, right, you, this is what you would say. Oh, yes, he is all authority, every bit of the authority in heaven and earth. And I am in that earth, so he has all authority over me. That's what we would say. Yet the reality of it is, is when we begin to check our filter, we begin to check our life and we begin to check our dailies, we recognize very clearly something's off. Maybe out of our mouth we are declaring that God has all authority, but he only has the authority that I've given him permission to have. And so we have to start with the authority of God because if we do not have the foundational piece that God is the ultimate authority, then everything he says to us will just be an opinion. A good one, but yet an opinion. And we dismiss opinions all the time, right? We have Facebook, right? You dismiss opinions all the time, right? Oh, yep, she's still crazy. Yep, oh yeah, he's still a nudge up. Yep, oh yeah, yep, right? I mean, I think that's all we do on Facebook is we're just, we look back over our old past friends just to see if they're still nuts. Yep, up, oh, yep, still nuts. And by the way, they're doing that to you too. Just so you know that, they're looking at you going, yep, still crazy. Yep, just so you know that, that's what's happening. So we're, we're good at dismissing opinions, but when all of a sudden we realize this is no longer an opinion, God is ultimate authority, I have a much harder time dismissing that and turning it into just something that's just another voice in the air. So let's go to Genesis. Where did I tell you to go? And we're just going to read through the Bible. <laughs> I mean, I got to prove the point, right? I told you, I mean, it's not Easter Sunday. I know you don't have lunches to go to. We can start here in the beginning. Well, let's just look at this. Let's just lay this foundation out, okay? Are you ready? In the what? 
beginning, right? Beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. We believe this. God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, and God said, let there be light. He turned the lights on. Right? Verse number 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate waters from waters. So God made a vault, a separation of things. In verse 9, God says, let the water under the sky be gathered together. He told creation, not only did he create, he told it where to go. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the sky. I love that. He had already created light, but he said, you know what? I want it to twinkle. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Now all of a sudden, God is a fisherman. It's biblical, right? He wanted something. He's like, I know I'm going to create man eventually, and eventually I'm going to create a fishing pole. We have to put something in there. It's biblical, man. And God said, let the waters teem with living things. Verse 24, and God said, and let the land produce living creatures. And then in verse 27, so God created mankind. Now he's created fish, and he's created land animals, and, and bushes, and twinkly things in the sky, and he's separating stuff. He did all of this, and then he says, and now let's create man in our image. And not to go too deep into that, but when Jesus or when God speaks there and says, let us create in our image. Remember in John chapter 1 where it says, and the word became flesh. Jesus and the Holy Spirit were ever present in the moment of creation. They weren't created. They were a part of this. And he says, let's create man. You. And by the way, how many of you were prior to this? Were any of you there prior to this? Were any of you there? As Job would answer, or as Job would say, or when God answered Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you then I, when I stretched out and measured what I wanted to measure? Where were you when I said rains come? Where were you? So we lay this foundation here. And not only did he create all of those things, we see this in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We see this and on the, or in the, uh, the, uh, chapter 2, verse 2. We see, and then God even created rest. God said on the, on the seventh day, he rested. After all of these things that he created in the beginning, prior to this, and I know, I know there are, uh, uh, everybody's just singing amen, hallelujah to that, that he created rest. You didn't even create that. He didn't even ask your opinion about that, right? You think you've perfected it, and he created it. Now, I want us to see something. Why is it so important? Why is it so important that we lay the foundation why is it so important that we lay the foundation and, and as God would say to Job, where were you when I did all of these things? Why, why is it so important? Because this. Now, you have to understand something. Uh, when I, I preached this message about two years ago, and it took me five weeks, so I'm doing my best to condense this down for you. So you're welcome, okay? But when God, when we see God and it's established in us that God has created all things. If God is the source of all things, then that means he has the right to all things. Because when somebody creates something, they have ownership of that thing, right? Can I prove that to you? 
Can I prove that you already believe that? Can I prove that you already live that out in your daily life, right? I use this example, and it's a stupid example, but, but look at this shoe right here, right? Everybody know what this shoe is, right? This is, who makes this shoe? New Balance, right? Who created this shoe? New Balance, right? That is their what? That's their logo, right? If I decided, I, you know what? I'm going to take this, I'm going to make a shoe, and I'm going to put an N on it, and I'm going to make it look just like this. I'm going to create it and do all these things like this. You would have a problem with it, right? Why? Because somebody has already created this, and they have what to it? Rights. Ownership. It's their product. Because of that, they have the authority over this, and that means somebody else can't come along and mess with it. Follow me on this. I'll even prove it to you more. If, if I created a shoe that looked just like this and tried to sell it, tried to get in on this thing and make some money off this, they could sue me and you would be on the court, you would be in the jury, and then you know who you'd side with? New Balance. Why? Because they have ownership of it. And because they have ownership of it, they have all the rights to it. And because they have the rights to it, they have the right to define it. They have the right to, 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 to shape it. They have the right to, to say these are the rules of what we get to do with this and what we don't get to do with this. Are you following me on this? So whether you knew it or not, you already believe this. You live in a system that believes this. That the owner of something or the creator of something has rights to that thing. Are you following me on this? So if God created all things, and if it started with him in the beginning, and as he said to Job, where were you? And I can't answer, I was down the hall. And I have to say it was all on you. Then you must have all authority in heaven and earth. And because of that, because you have all authority, and you own it, and you created it, that means you get to define it. Right? I'm sorry, what? Yes. So that means he has the right to define that which he creates. He has the right to say, this is how I want what I created used. I get to make the rules about that which I've created. Why? Because I created it. And I have all the authority. I have all the authority to establish that, that this is mine. And if it's mine, that no matter whether you like it or not, whether I want to make a shoe like this and make money off it, New Balance says I can't, no matter if I like it or not, it doesn't matter. They have the authority. Because I'm going to tell you something. The problem with, or the reason why we have to establish this in our hearts and establish this is because there might just be something in this book that he says to you or says about you because he's created you and he says, this is what I've defined you as. This is how I've created you to be. And you might say, well, I don't want to do that. As if, as if, and I love that great example of the, uh, of the, of the clay speaking back to the potter, Right? As if the clay has any right. I, you don't, I get to say what I am. I get to define who I am. And it's like, wait a second, I'm the potter. You're just what I've molded you to be. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember asking your opinion about that. See, this, this is, this is going to affect us. 
If this isn't shaped, if God doesn't have the authority to define who I am, what I am, the rules of the game, the rules of the system, if he doesn't get to define all of those truths, then, then all of it, if I don't see it like that, then I will always default to the fact that I get to make up the rules. I get to define. And the problem is, is when man gets to define when man gets to define truth, when man gets to define the rules, when man gets to define what he wants and how he wants it to go down, it never ends well. It just doesn't. It never ends well. When man gets to define, no, 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 I want it this way. I get to be this way. Let me, can I give you just an example of this? If, if all of the authority, if all of the way we think, if God created truth, knowledge, wisdom, all of those things, every bit of science, every bit of everything and how it's all connected, if he connected all of those things and he says, I get to do this and it's my way because I created it, but if I see myself as the being the ultimate source and it's my world, my world according to Chris, the problem with that is, is, the, is then my truth can change how I feel. My truth can be shaped by how I feel. My definition can be shaped by, by how I woke up that day. How many of you have ever woke up on a day and you just didn't feel awesome? Raise your hand. I've never felt that. I don't know. Well, you'll have to tell me that. I wake up every day. I'm, I feel awesome, right? <laughs> no, but how many of you have just ever had those days you wake up and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, this is what I have to work with. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> ah. Okay. All right. It's going to be a big sunglasses and a big hat day, all right? Right? And a big old overcoat. If this is what I got to work with, all right? It is amazing when we, when we base our define, how we define ourselves as I am good, I am happy, I am joyful, I am, I am loved by how we feel, then I can wake up one day and, have, and be defined one way and I can wake up the next day and I can feel another way. You follow me on this? But yet when I see God as the ultimate authority, the ultimate creator of all things, and he gets to define me, the created being, then no matter how I feel in a day, just using this example, no matter how I feel in a day, the reality of my definition doesn't change because I am loved because he said I am loved. Are you following me on that? But I don't feel loved. doesn't matter. You are loved. In fact, you were loved even when you were his enemy. That's how much you're loved. Even when I found myself far off, God said, I still love you. And I want a better life. I, I want you to come back. I want you to be a part of this. But I love you. So no matter how, if, if it's all dependent on me defining the rules and the game plan, then I can be changed and shifted and moved and morphed, and morphed into all kinds of weird truths. But if I know and see God as the ultimate authority, then no matter how I wake up or what I'm going through, the foundation never changes. Are you tracking me on that? Okay. You still with me? Okay, let's keep going because we've got a couple more things. And I want us to see this. I don't want to miss this. So why is this important? I want you to go. I want you to go because I want you to see where the problem comes in. Because the problem starts kicking in very, very early in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to go there, starting in verse 1 through 7. I want you to see where the problem kicks in and where the struggle begins. See, this struggle has been going on from the very beginning. 
It's not a new struggle. And the struggle is always this. The struggle is always, and the game plan of the enemy is always to get us to see ourselves as the source of all things. If I can, if the enemy can deceive me into believing I should be able to make the rules, he's got me. If I can be shifted away of seeing God's plan and his authority to be shifted into mine, then he wins. And we see this from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. It says this, Now there was a serpent that was more crafty than any wild animals, and the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree? And the woman, knowing the rules, knowing that God's already established the rules, he's, he, he's established this. He said, I created it. I get to make the rules. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the tree in the garden. But God said, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And I love what the enemy says there because it's the, it's the thing that, that, that he's never stopped saying this to man. You make the rules. It's your truth. It, it, it's your authority. It's your, and he just says, oh, you're, 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 you're surely not going to die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes are going to be open. He's keeping something from you. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good, because it was pleasing, for the food was pleasing to her eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was just standing there, figuring out how to catch fish. And the fall didn't happen because somebody committed some moral failure or there was adultery right off the bat or somebody did something evil or there was already a murder. The, the failing, the failing of humanity and the failing of us all is always going to be, I get to see myself as the ultimate authority. I get to make the rules. Our greatest failing is not sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Our greatest failing is that I'm God. It's my way. I'm the authority. That's our greatest failing. And that's where the enemy always starts with us. And the problem is, is when, when, when we see ourselves through the lens of that I get to create the authority, when, when we see ourselves through that lens, the problem is, is when, when I've established a truth in my life and Sonia's established a truth in her life and she's living her truth and I'm living my truth and they all of a sudden bump into each other and hers doesn't fit mine and mine doesn't fit her, then we have this battle, Right? And that's what we're seeing now. Everybody just living their truth and everybody should just be tolerant of everybody living their truth until it bumps into my truth. And then we have a problem. Then we have a problem. Are you following me on this? The fight started in the beginning. The fight started in the beginning when we see this. And I want you to jump one more place with me. Go to Matthew chapter 19. Are you following me on this today? Are you seeing the importance of this? In Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16 through 22, we know this story. It's like felt board stuff, right? It's what they're teaching in children's churches. The rich young ruler, right? It's the story of the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler comes to him, and I, I want you to see yourself in this because this is a guy that didn't understand the authority of the creator of the universe, 
Because the guy comes to Jesus and goes, teacher, tell me, what can I do to be saved? Like, he sounds good, man, right? He's, he wants everything that God has from him, right? At least that's what it sounds like. And Jesus is like, okay, I want you to honor your mother and father, and I want you to do this law, and I want you to do that law. And the guy's like, yes, I've done all those things. And then Jesus goes, okay, good. I still get to make the rules. Now I want you to do this. I want you to go and sell everything that you have. And the guy, seeing Jesus in all authority, ran straight to goodwill and just gave it all away, right, and followed him. No. What did he do? He went away sad. Why? Why? Because he had much. And you know why he went away sad? You know what the root of it was? The root of it wasn't the fact that he had a lot of stuff. The root of it was the fact that he thought he got to make the rules. He didn't see God as the ultimate authority. The creator of the universe is standing in front of him. His reward is there in front of him. And Jesus says, if you want to have what I have, I'm still the one that gets to make the rules. Go and do this. And like so many of us, when Jesus says something to us and says, I'm calling you, I'm commanding you, I'm directing you, we look at him and we say, I don't like those rules. I'm taking my game and leaving. And we go away sad. Now, we might still even come to church. We might still get to come to church because we don't want to blow our appearances. We might sit in church for 20 years. We might have, we might have our backside imprinted on a seat. But it's still your game. It's still your way. Because Jesus commanded you to do something and you said, I don't like that and you've gone away sad. You might not have left the building, but in your heart you've turned away and walked because you've stopped seeing him as the authority and he has the right to command me in anything he desires. Are you following me on this? Well, but I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with what he's asking me to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really like these rules, Pastor Chris. I've read the Bible and I don't really understand. I don't really like this whole thing that I have to lose to gain. And those that to, to, to save their life have to lose their life. I don't like that. I don't like those rules. Well, the good news is it's not your game. The good news is it's not your authority. And your job is to not like the rules or dislike the rules. Your job is to not be able to design your path or not. Your job is to obey. And we don't like that. We like our own way. Number one, we're Americans. We're Americans. Right? We're individuals, right? Like it's bred into us, right? We like Ford trucks and barbecue, and, and we like to do things our way, right? And there's nothing biblical, unbiblical about those things. But we want to do it our way. In fact, we have restaurants that will literally say, we'll make it your way. Because you are the ultimate center of the universe, right? You, it's your way. Well, I don't care what anybody else likes it. I don't care. How do you want it? It's about you. It's your world. We just are, we're just floating around your world, Jeff. Jeff, however we can be here to serve you, Jeff. Whatever you need, Jeff, we're here for you. 
I know you've spent a long time to get Gail to buy into that law, but we're, we're praying for it, right? But we have this mindset that it's our world, it's my, I am the center of the universe. But when God says, no, 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 I get to make the rules, and I'm commanding you to do this, I'm commanding you to walk in forgiveness. I don't like that. That's not fair. Give me another card out of that deck. You flip over another card. Forgive them. Stupid card. We'll get another one, right? How many of you ever done that? How many of you ever played cards with a kid? Or you like, you play Uno and they don't like the card they draw, so they just keep drawing. You're like, that's not how this works, right? Take your yellow number seven and deal with it, right? No, and we're like that little kid that just, I'm just going to keep drawing until I get what I like. And the reality of it is, is every time we flip over a card, if God's commanded us to do something, that card never changes. The only thing that's going to change is whether or not we finally see him as having the authority to tell me whatever that card says. That's the only thing that changes, and that's the only way we move forward. Because he's going to tell you things like this. For you to be great, you have to serve. For you to be great in my kingdom, you have to be the least of these. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it all. For those that have been hurt, you have to forgive. Why? Because I have forgiven you. These are rules we don't like. And the reason the church is struggling with walking into the authority and walking with all these kind of band-aid experiences, this person's walking in unforgiveness, this person over here won't, won't honor them in their finances, this person over here won't be the husband that God's called them to be, this person over here won't be the wife that God's called them to be and humble themselves, this person over here is dealing with it, and we think it's all these different problems. No, it's not. The root of it is, is these believers don't see God as having the right to tell you what to do. You follow me on that? But I get to define me. I get to define my truth. No, you don't, because I'm sorry, like he said to Job, I'm sorry, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Oh, that's right. You weren't there. And because I created you, I have ownership. I have rights. I get to define how this game works, not you. And the good news is, is the one who defines this thing, the one who created this thing, is also a God of love and not just a God of a tyrant. And so we see things as rules and we see things as, as him pushing us. Oh, he, he, just wants me to, he just wants me to be in pain all the time. No, he doesn't. He's trying to take you from death unto life. You have to trust him on that. But it starts with, do I see God as the ultimate authority? Boy, if we don't do that, then we might as well just skip everything else because lordship falls apart, servanthood falls apart, marriage falls apart, being, uh, I mean, being a missionary, all, anything that you want to attach to. If God isn't the ultimate authority, everything falls apart. You track with me on this. This is the foundation. I am trying to get you out of the doctrine of Liz and the world according to Sally and the world according to Ryan and the world according to Jeff because as believers of God, as followers of Christ, you are ambassadors for him and it is no longer about you. And if that's the case, we have to all be in one accord with going, you know what? 
I just see him as authority and however he defines me, however he wants to use me, whatever his plan is for my life, I just want to honor that. I just want to be obedient to that. Even when he says things to me that I'm not a fan of, I don't like forgiving people. I don't like being a servant. I don't like doing these things, but he gets to make the rules, so I will be obedient. So there's safety in that. Let's pray. I'll be honest with you, I wish this was a message that we could wrap up in a day in a sense of that you could hear it one time and you got it. Meaning you hear it and just go, yep, God's the ultimate authority, I'll just go from there. Can I ask you as your pastor if you would do me a favor? Would you go, would you go home? Would you go and spend this week asking God to reveal areas in your life where you still might be in control, where you have dismissed him as authority, will you do that for me? Can we begin to be honest with ourselves and actually walking that out? Because this is not just something that we make a decision and then we begin to walk it out. Because it's gonna affect us all in different areas. So let me pray for us as we go. Father God, I thank you so much. Father God, I thank you that you loved us <laughs> Father, I'm so thankful that you love me and you give me the breath in my lungs that even when I think I'm the ultimate authority, you still give me the breath to think that for the hope that I would one day turn to you. Father, my prayer is that this week and the coming weeks that we begin to have real conversations with you, being honest with ourselves, let repentance come where we have taken ownership and authority in areas that we, we, we don't have rights to. Father, I pray that those things fall so that we can, we can see you, see you clearly, see your plan, and walk it out. Father, we know that there is safety and obedience, so let us be found there. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.